Speaking of adventure, I got I got hit by tear gas in Peru. That was kind of interesting. Whoa. <laughs> Like in the middle of a uh, like a riot? Yeah, there was um. So it's kind of like super corrupt there politically, and uh, I was there um on like a like a mission trip type thing, yeah. And uh, that we were in this one city where things were getting like a little bit crazy because basically the politicians are so corrupt there they they pay people to riot. So the people were like rioting, ripping up the cobblestone streets, like all this crazy stuff. And the cops came in with, like, tear gas bombing them. And we're on the roof, me and my buddy, like, watching this whole thing happening. And, you know, tear gas rises. We got hit in the freaking face. It was horrible. And you probably, like, ran inside pretty quick. Yeah, man. It was, it was it, like, nothing I've ever experienced before. Like, your eyes burn. You can't breathe. It's really weird. All right, welcome to the Open Road Podcast, on the road edition. We are here in uh, beautiful, sunny Hamilton. Jared driving, me in the passenger seat, recording on the Zoom. Nice, beautiful 8 a.m. Monday morning coming at you. We got some coffees, and this is great, Calvin, because over the past little bit, we've definitely um, recorded while we've been on adventures, but not really together in a long time. You know what I mean? And oh, so right. now we're we're on a bit of a mini road trip and we are uh, and we're recording. And so sorry if the audio isn't as good. This is like raw in the car last um, minute. Well, not really last minute. Like we this is a good idea, I think. Although yeah, last minute as in we decided to do this last night. Now we're hitting some traffic. Yeah. But um but Let's... yeah, so we're going to we're going to hit a little bit of banter and on this week's episode we have uh, an interview with Jeremy Ryan Slate, mm-hmm. and he talks about um, he has a neat business where he helps people to get onto podcasts and to grow their uh, businesses and their whatever message they want to share by getting them onto podcasts. So that's coming up in a little bit. But uh, our guest is the master of all guests. Think of it that way. Yes, good point. Yeah. Really good point. Really yeah. good point. So we have kind of a fun conversation, and if you're into podcasting, there might be some fun tidbits for you there. We um, interviewed the man who interviews a thousand men. <laughs> so yeah, so you tell us how good we are at podcasting. Yes, um, Calvin. When we, when we last were together and left, you, uh, we had um, Emily Ann Peterson on, and we talked about like doing something brave that week. Yes. And now it's been about two weeks. But what mm. was? I said you should do brave, something brave with your son. You didn't really bite, but did you do anything? I didn't bite. Um, do I have to like backtrack, or can I just think of anything brave? Well, so you d- you didn't do anything like intentionally with. I mean, can I force bravery on a person? No, perhaps. Well, actually, yes, you actually can. <laughs> so what I did that was brave is I was home alone with the baby for a little while on a Saturday. <laughs> I was home week. with the baby for twenty minutes. That was the bravest <laughs> thing I've done in my life. That is brave. Um, and here's the thing, Jer. Yeah, I could have just gone down to the basement, throw on the fifty-two inch, watch the little wiggles. But no, I decided to, let's get outside, and I have this big snow mound inside of my driveway, and I made a little, uh, the Olympics were coming up last week, and to get inspired, made a little bobsled track for the 10-month-old. Really? And it was awesome. Did he have a good time? He loved it. He now, really did. did you go down with him, or did you send him down it alone? It was a solo ride. Skeleton. No. Or not skeleton, luge. Are you serious? Luge, so it was feet first, luge. Yeah. What'd you sit him on? He has a sweet sled. Really? Yeah. Kind of like it wraps around the back so we can like have his arms over. And it's got steel runners. It's awesome. So what was the max speed you clocked him at? Um, like pretty good. He was like the his hair was blown back. 
And he's got pretty light, fluffy hair, but I mean, enough. It's right? not like it was, it was this really thrill. wussy ride. No, it was not. I started out that way. Like, I had a little trial wuss run, and then he was really Having a fun uh, time. confident with that. So then we bumped him up to uh, the senior level. Did you feel proud of him? I really did. And because he was so excited about it and wanted to keep doing it, right? it was just made everyone's day great. He was having fun. I was having fun. And... Uh, that's awesome. I think we're both brave. That's awesome. I actually I actually do think that. I I just the first thing that goes to your mind with any kid stuff is like, oh, certain parents wouldn't do that. You know what I mean? Where it's like you were literally firing your kid down a, a snow slide on his own at yes. one year old. Yeah, Jerry, I mean But the the kid can completely handle that. It's fine. And it's even totally the, fine. even what you witnessed yesterday, I'm sure a lot of parents would poo poo. But I Wh- think which was what? Like letting that kid muck his entire chocolate Oh, right, cake. right, right, right. People would poo-poo that? I think so. In the parent world. Yeah. Um, it was Noah's first birthday, so we let him just go at a little mini chocolate cake, and he just went nuts. It was awesome watching him slowly discover what was in front of him. Yeah, that was quite interesting. <laughs> never had... I don't think he's ever had chocolate before. So really? It was pretty pretty fun. Huh. But yeah, you know what, Jer? I just feel like it'll be fine. Yeah, no, it'll of course. It'll just be fine. Of course. Just let him do it. Yeah, that well, that's very brave. Let him discover it. That's brave, and I and I think that's a good way to, good way to parent. How else am I supposed to live? I don't know. I don't know. There's no other way. There's just no other way. Like I always say, Jer, friend first, parent second. <laughs> right? <laughs> I said that to someone yesterday because they were commenting on the on our like, they asked something about like a parenting philosophy, and I said I was like, yeah, like like Kate and I always say, friend first, parent second. And they're like. <laughs> Oh gosh! <laughs> like we're like legit concerned. Like, no, that's not right. That is so good. That is amazing. Um, well, if you remember, I said that I was gonna try 360 on my you snowboard did. as my well, brave. I believe bravery. you said you were going to do a 360. No, I don't think I said that. I mean, we could go back in the tape, but let's not do that. Um, I did. I did not. I did not. Okay. Did you, um, how far around did you get? 180. Yeah, that's all right. That's halfway. That's halfway, right? I'm halfway there. So maybe <laughs> next year. But what my I think what my the my like braver moment was is um so we spent one day like downhill skiing at Whistler, uh, Katie skiing, myself snowboarding. Um, but the day before that, we did uh, we rented cross country skis and nice. did the cross country trails. Nice. Have you done cross country skiing? Uh, once before. Yeah. It's kind of fun. It's really hard. It's fun. It's more challenging than yes than. Uh, you know, than you would assume. And when we were, we only we kind of found this out later. When we were in the little chalet renting our stuff, they said, "Are you beginners or not?" Mm-hmm. And when you're beginners, they give you skis that don't have edges, like oh, metal okay. edges. So it's just like a plastic ski. Oh. And for beginners, that's like totally fine. So anyway, we did this really nice green loop all around, um, all around this like lake in the forest, and it was really nice. And we're like, all right, we still want to get a little more physical exercise. We want to. Uh, yeah, I think we're good on those. We want to, uh, you know, try something else maybe a little bit. And, mm-hmm. and so we saw a blue. And typically, if you know skiing, green is easy, blue is medium, black is very hard. So we see this blue um, blue hill and just merging here. <coughs> Merge on. And underneath the blue sign is a sign that says experts only. <laughs> And so we're kind of like... That's an aggressive label for blue. For a blue. And so we're like, let's try it. And that was our moment of bravery to say, even though it says experts only, we are going to take our one hour of 
cross-country experience and hit the expert-only trail. I love when people ski one time a year and decide to roll the dice the whole day. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just so, it makes so much sense. Like, I'm only doing this a couple times this year, going all in. You have to go for it. And what began after we got onto this blue trail was a absolutely steady one kilometer climb. 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 That's sad. And so we are just like climbing and at this point it's steeper than the the shorter climbs we've done and so we're not able to like slide and glide up the hill. You have to like go on your sides but now we're realizing well we didn't even quite realize it at this point we don't have those skis with the edges so we're not grabbing in so we don't have the right equipment for this you do not you are not prepared and we are going up and up and up and up which means you have to end up coming down at some point you have to come down down and down and going downhill on cross-country skis is a thrill because you're kind of like you've worked uh, so hard for this you've a worked so hard for it you finally get to go down and it's a little bit sketchy because the skis are so narrow very sketchy and you're 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 barely strapped in so as we get to the top, I'm just like, there's no way we're not going to absolutely get destroyed as we go down <laughs> this hill. And so then we finally crest the top of the hill. The sign says, steep hill ahead. Like, And there's this skier who's like looks like a downhill Olympic skier on the sign. And we're like, this is a nightmare. So I pull out my phone, put it on selfie mode, and like attempt to, just go, for and attempt to go for it. And we probably, for the next, like... 250 meters didn't ever make it 50 meters without falling oh. <laughs> and so we're trying to like go slow we're tr- like you can't go on your side because you'll the skis will just flip out from under right, you right you can't uh, you can't use no. your traditional skiing techniques no you, you all, can't even pizza you can't really pizza I was trying to pizza but then when I pizzaed the skis are so long that they crossed right. each other they grabbed each other and then flung me off to the side what's that called iron cross <laughs> is that what it's called I was watching the Olympics uh, yesterday. Oh, really? Iron Cross is a big deal. So, so anyway, and so, like, we, each time someone, like, makes it successfully to the bottom of a hill, we, like, wait for the other person, and one time Katie was flying down the hill, and I was so sure she was about to lose control, go off the side of the yeah, track, down yeah. into a ravine, into a tree, and somehow she, like, grabbed, and, like, she is a skier, so she's clearly more skilled than I am. Yeah. And was able to like save her, uh, save her body from getting destroyed. But it was a great adventure because we took a risk. We were brave, and we we loved being out there. And even though we came back battered and bruised, like our legs were so bruised oh, from how many bet. times yeah, we fell. Yeah. Um, the other funny thing is, I had my my digital camera around mm-hmm. my neck. Awesome. And so it was like either flying around. At one point, I tucked it into my jacket, but I'm like, I am falling face first and going to smash this camera. So I didn't know if it was going to survive. It did. Yikes. So life is good. And that was my bravery moment. <laughs> was it the track? Or, or sorry, were you guys in little tracks or was it just like an open road kind of? So it was a combination of both. So okay. they were really nicely groomed trails. Yes. And then sometimes it would have tracks and yeah. then the tracks would leave for a little bit, depending on if it was up or downhill. Like, I don't know. It was all, it was all to spec. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's nice. I mean, I'm sure it was world-class cross-country skiing. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, it's kind of neat. I'd like to get more into it, but I think I haven't skied in quite a while, and I think Kate and I were talking like it is really expensive, and it's like a full day at least. So for cross-country or downhill? No downhill. Oh yeah, yeah. And we're just kind of thinking like, you know what? Once Noah's a couple years older, yeah. um, I'd love to get back into it. All of us get back into it and, and yeah. use that as kind of an excuse to teach him to do it, but then also gets us back on the hill. Yeah. But the, yeah, and the cross-country skiing thing is something to consider, too, because yeah. 
um, similar to like the way you were biking this summer mm -hmm. and how it's cool because you can cover a lot of ground, you get physical it's, exercise. It's relatively social. Relatively social and just like a fun thing to do, to go yes. out and do. Yes. I would highly recommend it as a bit of a way to find adventure in your uh, winter sports. Unfortunately, it's a whole other set of gear. Yes. Uh, the thing is, it's not actually crazy expensive. No. And probably, like, Katie's considering getting some, and she might... Like, like in, we in might, it for 500 bucks? I think you probably... Uh, maybe not boots and bindings and skis, but, like, probably but Kijiji, less than right? a thousand. Like and Kijiji and end-of-season deals, yeah. so... Um, yeah, oh, the other too. really amazing thing about cross-country skiing, at least where the sport is today, the boots are so comfortable. Yes, I've oh worn the very comfy gosh. boots. Incredible, incredible, yeah, comfortable. Just really loose on the ankle. Yeah. So, so Jared, anyway, what are we doing right now? We're on highway. It is, what time is it? You have no time it's in your just, car. It's right here. I can see it. You can't. It's just after 8 o'clock in the morning. It's after 8 o'clock in the morning. We are heading east toward the city. Um, not a bad Monday morning for you and I. Kind of unexpected. <laughs> yeah. um, here's the deal. Listeners are aware of my story. I crashed my truck a few weeks ago. I am on route to pick up my new car. Yeah. A new ride, and Jeremy is driving me to that new ride. Now, what, what's my what's my involvement? Why do I have a vested interest in making sure you get into a good car? I don't really know. But you, <laughs> as soon as you heard that I had to go and drive to the car, you hopped on board as as a driver. But no, I, this new car is uh, being sold to me by Jeremy's father, yes. Rudy. So we are on route to, is it at his shop or his house? Uh, I guess we may, we'll make a call we'll after we're done call podcasting. We'll probably have to find out where the heck this car is. Yeah. So we've got the car there, bought this baby sight unseen, <laughs> literally have no idea what color it is, what year it is, how many kilometers. Do you I, trust it though? I trust, I don't care. I trust it. Yes, of course I do. Yeah. Yeah. I know really nothing about cars. <laughs> <laughs> it's a five speed or is it automatic? Five speed. It's five speed. So there we go. Yeah. I've never driven five speed before. Yeah. No, and, I have. My and, first car was. And it's fast. And it's fast. <laughs> the best text I got from Jeremy's dad was, this car is, all caps, FAST. <laughs> um, any other fun things about, like, interacting over text and email, uh, or text and call with, with my dad? Yeah, just, like, think, just, it was mostly call. Right. And then just going back and forth on, like, he had a few cars available, you know, what's the best situation for what I have, and because of, won't get into many details here, but because of where I live, I don't have to do an emissions test on a vehicle because I live in technically northern Ontario. It's because of where you live, not because of how old the car is? Correct. No. Yes, it is. Wow. Because so of where you, I live. So you're so fine to pollute as soon as the beautiful that, forest. As soon as that kind of came into Rudy's um, understanding, he locked down the car. He that, that narrowed it down for us, and then he had this great car that um, he wanted to do with. So, yeah. um... Yeah, so we're, we're on our way there, and that's why we decided to do this little spontaneous... Uh, episode and catch you guys up on what was going on in our world. Um, anything else, or should we bring on Ryan, uh, Jeremy? Oh, I said I was gonna. I I said I was gonna disclose how much I got for the truck on my insurance oh, company. Oh yes, of course. So um, they offered me two thousand dollars. Now my broker said, "Whoa, whoa! Don't take the first offer. When they give you the offer, tell them to hold the phone, call me, and then uh, do a little back and forth." So I did exactly that. Okay. They offered me 2000 I said, well, just hold on. I actually didn't call my broker, but then I knew I could get a little more, I thought. Right. So then they asked me to send um, comparables from, like, Kijiji right. or Auto Trader. So I sent them, like, 20 comparables. 20? Uh, yeah, probably 20. Wow. A lot of them didn't work at all. We're just, like, way over and not even close. Like, way over 2000 Yes. Yeah, well, that's good. It shows you they should pay that's you That's what more. I thought, yeah. 
Um, but my truck was in such bad shape. Right. So, uh, and it was really old. Like after it hit the tree, pretty bad yeah, shape. Yeah, like it crashed. <laughs> what do you expect? Things totaled. It's worth nothing. <laughs> so I walk away with $2,500. After my $500 deductible that they take, they cut me a check for two grand. Nice. So there you go. And uh, and are you, are you do you have to spend that whole thing on? Uh, I get car? two grand. I'm paying Rudy twelve hundo for the car. I walk away with eight hundred dollars, eight hundred dollars quiche, which I'll be frying a drone on my way home. <laughs> eight hundred bucks in your jeans, not bad, <laughs> not bad. What did you pay for that truck when you first got it? I think I paid eight thousand dollars for it. Okay, ten years ago. Ten years ago? No, eight years ago. But that has been your only car. I had a '96. Oh, the Civic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 All right. Well, car. I think you've made out pretty well. I think I have. The the true test will be how long this car lasts you. Yes, that's true. <laughs> yeah. So awesome. Well, uh, let's bring on Jeremy. We're going to talk a little bit about podcasting and some other uh, fun business and entrepreneurship stuff as well. Let's do it. Jeremy Ryan Slate, nice to have you on the podcast, man. Where do you find yourself this evening? Oh, dude. Um, so I am in New Jersey. We just got about, um, I don't know, like three or four inches of snow followed by some rain. So uh, I am totally dead and here to hang out with you, man. <laughs> You're just locked into your house. How much snow do you guys got down there? We got about, I think like three or four inches, but um, we got some rain on top of it. So it's pretty heavy. So I'm like, you know, two, three Sam Adams deep this at this point, just hanging <laughs> out with you, man. That's awesome. Are Now I'm trying to think New Jersey, how close to New York City are you guys? Like um, forty five minutes or so, we're about we're about forty five minutes outside of the city. And it's interesting because people are always like, "Oh, you're so close to New York," and it's like, "Yeah, but if I hit traffic, it could be three hours." So it's right, kind of like right. people don't get it, you know? Yeah, I remember one time when we were on a road trip and we parked in New Jersey and took the whatever the subway under the river and got in, and that was actually a pretty smooth process. It was not bad. Yeah, you probably. I'm thinking you probably took the train out of Secaucus, is what I'm thinking. There's a nice train that goes through there, comes right up. Um, uh, Penn Station, so that's probably where you came in. It's entirely possible. It's hilarious when you kind of come back from. Anyway, I find you come back from road trips and you're like, so we did that. I got on some train somehow. I knew it. It took me to where I wanted to go, and you just have no recollection of of actually how it happened. And anyway, that's <laughs> that's neither here nor there, dude. That's like that's like me in Beijing, um, which was the craziest thing ever. I'm like. I don't know what that says, but I'm going to go towards that thing. It was, it was it was very interesting trying to ride the subway there. You're like, you're trying to like learn it in color code and you're like, they don't even use vowels. Like, what do I do here? Yeah. How, how do I know? And you're asking someone and that's just not working. Yeah. I, I, I totally screwed up any Chinese I learned whatsoever. It's like, oh, she, she, I, I don't know what that means anyway. But it's something in the book or in the Google translator. Who knows? Hey man, you make, you make it work, right? Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's let's dive in here, Jeremy. I'm uh, you you run um, a company or two companies, Command Your Brand and Slate Media Productions. I'd love to hear um, sort of a story or an experience that kind of got you to where you are today. From what I gather, you've had uh, an interesting path to where you are. So why don't you fill us in on uh, on what's been going on in your world and then what Command Your Brand actually is? I feel like it's a loaded question, man. So we've kind of rolled <laughs> Slate Media and Command Your Brand into one. So it's okay. it's one one business now rather than running a couple of different things. Um, but it's kind of interesting, dude, because like I I didn't think I would be here. Like my my goal was to be a college professor. Uh, I had my undergrad degree in world religions, um, Catholic theology, and uh, then I studied literature at New College Oxford. Got my uh, master's in ancient history. I'm like, all right, so I have a lot of degrees. You know, what do you do? 
So every job I applied to, I kept hearing like, oh, you're overqualified, you're overqualified. Meaning like I had a master's degree, so I couldn't teach in college because it wasn't a PhD, but it wasn't enough to like get one of those like real world job things. So I actually ran into a priest friend of my family and he said, you know, we're looking for teachers at the private school. So I ended up doing that uh, for a bit. And um, it was kind of crazy because then not too far into that, like two years in, my mom had a stroke and it was really tough for me because she was one of the, uh, I'm trying to think of how to put this, like the most solid people in my life, like the person Mm -hmm. I talked to every day, I dealt with a lot. And um, it was kind of interesting because at 19, I had this um, football accident where I tore major ligaments in my knee. I had the surgery, which was supposed to be very simple. And... um, I got last rights, which is crazy, but it didn't affect me. It didn't affect me until I had this thing happen with my mom, and I'm like, wow, okay, it's not me. This is really like like life is crazy. So something and, went wrong in the surgery then? Yeah, so something went wrong in the surgery. So basically um, your lungs split off, and there's this area that goes between them called a bronchial tube, and the breathing tube is supposed to go between them, but they stuck it into my right lung. So my left lung collapsed. My right lung overexpanded. And they're, like, trying to get me to breathe. They're doing all these, like, chest x-rays and stuff. And it was very, very crazy. And I was in and out of consciousness a few days. Um, like, it was a re- crazy experience, like, floating around the room, like, all this weird stuff. And they actually brought a priest in and, um, you know, gave me what they call last rites. And now it's called anointing of the sick because um, they didn't think I was going to make it at that time. Whoa. And it didn't change my life at all, which is the crazy part. <laughs> you just, like, woke up and were, like all good <laughs> i woke up and it's like if you're from your if you're from northern new jersey you would get this i'm like dude i want a taylor ham sandwich like that was all i could think about and in south jersey they call the same thing pork roll so it's like a jersey thing but that's all i cared about is like i wanted to eat this food and <laughs> yeah, I just, it was probably more traumatizing to your family than to you yeah it didn't bother me it didn't bother me until like i almost lost a parent then it was like wow because it was this thing outside of myself and it was someone else i could look at and it just right it was pretty crazy to experience you know what i mean um so that kind of made me look at life a lot differently. I'm like, wow, what do I really want? And my wife was then approached about a network marketing opportunity, which I didn't know what it was. So I see this presentation. I'm like, a million bucks in like three days? This is going to be awesome. Why is not everybody doing this? Um, didn't, didn't seem to happen like that. Uh, <laughs> but it was enough to get me started doing something else. And I went through a bunch of different things till I found something that worked. Um, I went into life insurance sales, which don't sell a product you don't believe in. I didn't believe in insurance. Um, And then I went into selling products on Amazon. And then I finally ended up working for somebody else at a digital marketing firm, writing uh, HTML, CSS, all that fun stuff. And I was like, well, what am I going to do for myself? And I started the podcast um, called Rock Your Life in May of 2015. And it was crap. It was horrible. Nobody listened to it. And I quit. And then I went to Peru for a month um, and did this like mission trip type thing with Rotary International. And it was kind of cool because I was out of my environment and I could kind of think about like, what do I want to do? And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do a podcast the right way. Hmm. And then I came back and started to create your own life. And it was kind of crazy because I flipped the viewpoint on how can I educate an audience. And all of a sudden I'm in Forbes, I'm in Inc., I'm in all these really cool places. I'm like, I think there's a business idea here. And that's really where the idea of Command Your Brand came through, of getting people booked as amazing guests on podcasts. And is that what Command Your Brand mostly does? Yeah. that's the, So what we do is we actually take people through um, the three main things that I really see any good interview having, a story, a message, and a call to action, making sure all of those align and you can tell them through different lenses because the last thing you want is this 
I did an interview this morning where the guy like literally sounded like he was reading. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> um, so that like that's like what you don't want. Right. Um, but we teach people to be awesome guests in that way, so they they're happy, the host is happy, and they're actually able to grow and promote their brand. And then we get them booked on the right shows so that makes sense for them. Right. I'm trying to look for a pen. What were those three things again? You said story, message, call to action? Yeah, story, message, call to action. Because here's the thing. Story, you know, I tell people about what personally happened to me. Now they're emotionally invested in me. Right. And then a message, something I want to teach that people can walk away with. And it may Mm -hmm. be different on every show. You have to be flexible. And a call to action. Like, where do you want people to go? Um, You know, what do you want them to do? So for me, a lot of times, it's I give them some sort of opt-in or whatever it is to help them build a relationship. Because... You want to, if you're going to build your following, if you're going to help people, you have to build a relationship with them. You can't just be like, all right, buy my thing. It's time to buy my thing. Like, that's not what it's all about. It's about how can you build a relationship with people because that's how you can really help them and by that grow your brand. How have you seen, why, well, like, why have you focused in on podcasting? What, what made you excited about that or what made you see the opportunity there? Do you want the real answer or the PR answer? Oh, the real answer. Come on. I sucked at everything else. <laughs> I, I, I hate myself on video. Um, I wasn't very good at many other things. I wasn't, a good, I wasn't that great of a content marketer, but for some reason, podcasting, I was really good at. I was great at interviewing people. Interesting. So, yeah, so for me, it was like I found, my, I found my niche. I found something I was good at, and I got better at a lot of those other things. Like I've written for many, many websites and stuff since that, but it was kind of a place for me to call home and, and get started, and I was like, wow, I want to help other people with this. So yeah. it started with show production, and I was like, this is too much work. I don't want to do this. So then we found out what did the people we were working with, what was the main thing they liked, and the main thing they liked was getting on shows. Right. Interesting. Um, I imagine when you're when you're working with different people – um, you're obviously helping them craft their message, helping them kind of find their voice and working with people who are trying to, I don't know, influence others, make an impact, do all of that stuff. When I think of like self-promotion and building your personal brand, like I understand the importance of that stuff. I try to do certain things like that to a degree, like my Instagram page, for example. I'm pretty careful about what I post there. I try to make try to post nice photos outdoorsy adventure kind of that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and yet i see people who go way too far and are just like it just kind of rubs you the wrong way do you ever work with people who get the balance right get the balance wrong um what what do you what do you kind of look for when you're helping people to be authentic because that's one thing that i think when it's not done properly it's kind of just it just kind of icky well, it's interesting because I don't feel like we work with people as much on like the social stuff. Got it. Um, though we do end up having some people that like have no presence at all. We have, but we've had to help them build that because I feel like it's really interest. It's really important for people to be able to find you, but it's also important, like the phrase you used, authentic. It's important to that because for myself, like yeah, video does great. I don't really like being on video, so I don't do very much of it. You have to do what's real for you. You can't just do something because it ranks well in social. Like, right. You know what I mean? And I, th- I think that's what you really have to think about. For me, I like long-form written content. I enjoy um, things that are motivational, so I, I tend to focus on that area. And because people have realized that's who I am and that's what I do, it tends to resonate the right way. But when you try to push things just because, well, I heard in the latest algorithm change, I need to do this because it's going to get people to care about me. Like, you can't look at it that way. You know what I mean? And that's the thing you have to really look at is how can I spread my message and help people but still, you know, number one, be a human being because I think people forget about that. Hmm. And then number two, do what's real for me. Because, you know, would we like to be everywhere? Sure. 
But is that possible? Not always. You have to do what's real for you. Hmm. That's interesting what you're saying about video and podcasting, and I think it's it's very true. I mean, you like video content is very clearly more engaging. It's so much easier to gobble down a cool 30 to 60 second Instagram video than it is to get someone to invest an hour of their life like we're asking people to do with this podcast. Um, so I think that's cool that the thing that you do is really help people to dig in that if they are going to spend their time on something like this that they're really getting kind of good value well and that's the thing man is like and i, and I find this with anything like anything you're going to do do it as a professional hmm. because you're really going to get the professional results when you do it that way but if you kind of come at it of you know we're going to wing it this way a little bit this that this time you can't really do that you have to understand how the medium works how the medium's received and appear the way that medium expects you to appear do you, do yeah. you get what i'm saying totally so what are some things that you've learned as you've started this business, um, learned either about how to interact with your clients, but even about yourself? Like you've kind of come out of this place where you had all these different jobs. Uh, what are some things that you've learned? Well, I'll, I'll tell you right off the bat, the thing that was most difficult for me is I'm a very technical person. You know, I write a lot of code. I do a lot of things like that. So getting other people to do things at first was very hard for me, meaning like I, I felt like I had to do everything myself. So once I could kind of get over that and realize that the only way we were going to grow and we were going to be able to service people better is by getting other people to do what I was doing now. So once I kind of got over that, that was a big deal for me. Um, the other thing, too, is I'm always looking how can I add more value to a client. So one of the big things we started offering to clients was something called the Perfect Podcast Guest Course. Like how can we help them appear better? Like Because there are certain things I have in my head that three or four phone calls aren't going to help them with. And I really need somebody to learn that so that, you know, the host can get a benefit and they can get a benefit. So that, so that's really one thing is, is appearing more valuable to clients. That's super important. Um, and then also realizing too, that there's certain things that I don't really like doing in my business, but I have to learn how to do them because even if I'm not going to be doing it in the future, somebody has got to put it there. And since I'm the business owner, I have to put it there. Hmm. And I, I, th I think for me, that's really the biggest things I've learned is those three. Hmm. That's great. Um, what has made doing like what keeps you doing this now that I mean you and your wife do this together you've hired somebody to kind of get in on it um why why this why this what's been making it meaningful for you I like sharing people's stories because that, that's something I really enjoy I feel like story is something that's so deeply human it's something we've had for generations and generations and it's something I've always found myself in, right? Because I was an ancient history major, so I studied, you know, Greece and Rome. I, I wrote a book there. All the titles were in Latin and nobody bought it, so go figure. <laughs> um, but I love this idea of story because it's something like deeply, deeply primal and deeply human. And I, and I love being able to continue sharing that and somehow have that be my business. I think to me that's what's really cool is we get some amazing stories. Like we, we brought in a client recently where um, the guy had a record label. And then when Napster happened, he lost all of his money. And ended up bagging groceries at a, at a grocery store. And then somehow the guy at the grocery store tells him, you know, you should really think about investing in real estate. And all of a sudden he's a real estate millionaire. So I think it's really interesting to find those stories and be able to tell people about those stories. Because number one, there's somebody that's in that exact same place or close to it that you can help. And then number two, um, you know, people need to know what he's doing. Like people need to know that story. Hmm. That's very cool. Um Feel free to answer this with as much or as little detail as you're comfortable with. <laughs> um, that's, that'll be my caveat. But um, 
so a lot of people that listen to this show, they're either folks who have, you know, a nine to five job and they're finding adventure on the side. They're also people who are uh, creative and have their own ideas. And some of them are interested in taking the plunge into becoming um, an entrepreneur or or doing something like what you're doing, working from home, lear- learning to code. There's so many ways that you can make money uh, sitting in your living room now. Um how long has it taken you to make the business viable and what are some of your plans for scaling? Well, here, here's the interesting part to that because it's like, first of all, I had to figure out like what the heck could I do? Right. And that process in itself started in like the end of 2012, beginning of 2013. Right. So Cause you're it, like, how do I monetize this in a right. way that could actually like put food on my table? Yeah. Cause I look at the 2018 version of myself versus the 2013 version of myself and it's, it's worlds apart. Right. So I think that in itself is a huge difference. And in the current business, you know, we didn't start that till 2016. So I think that's, you know, there was a three year period there where I was screwing up a lot of stuff, man. And I think you have to <laughs> kind of look, yeah, you kind of have to look at that. Right. Like I, I think there's, 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 there was, um, I, w- I was watching Nick Foles doing his Super Bowl um, speech where he's talking about that, you know, they said, you're, you're so inspirational in everything you did. He goes, he goes, but th- here's the problem. He goes, I worked hard. I almost quit football. And you see on Instagram and you see in all these different places how like nothing is ever wrong in anybody's life because that's how they want it to look. Right. And I think that three year period of my life where things weren't exactly working out. Yeah. That's the part that a lot of these online guys don't want to talk about. You know what I right. mean? That's where they don't want to talk about where you're figuring out how does this work? How do I make money? And I look at each one of those things, and I've learned a lot of things along the way. I've learned how to make you know, 50 to 100 cold calls in a day. I've learned how to work with people. I've learned how to build a team. And I think that is the most valuable part. And without that, I can't do what I did now right. um, because we were profitable in month two in 2016. So um, that's really what you have to look at. And then we looked at, okay, great, we made some money, but now I have no hours. So then it's like, well, how do I scale that? So then this year, we're kind of looking at systematizing even more, and we've brought in a sales team. Um, we have you know, a client manager we're looking at hopefully bringing on another soon, and uh, we are releasing our digital course in a couple weeks. So we're really looking at diversifying a lot of what we do and bringing on more team because that is how you scale. And, that, and that's really what 2018 looks like. But if I look at the 2013 version of myself, I couldn't even think with any of those things, man. I'm just like, how do I make 12 bucks? How do I do that? Right. And, then, and, and this year, it's just so much different. So in that time, were you working another job or were you, did you have some money saved up that you could just have a three-year experiment? I mean, you're married. It looks as though you're in quite a pleasant home. Like how, like what was that? Like what were you doing that three years? Um, so I, I did network marketing for two years and it actually right. paid my bills, believe it or not, but that Got was it. kind of, it was kind of mentally tough. Um, <laughs> I sold life insurance. Um, I sold products on Amazon, um, which oof, don't post your own promo code on your Amazon listing for 99 cents. You'll sell out of inventory very quickly. <laughs> um, so, you know, that wasn't very good. Okay. And so that's I, what you were doing during those three years. It's not like you quit that. You said goodbye to that stuff, started this and had this like big gap. No. And then after I left network marketing, I ended up working at a friend's content marketing company, working 20 hours a week. So I did have a job for that period of time because I think you make really bad decisions when you're desperate. You know what I mean? So I needed some form of income so I could actually right. create something cool. Right. Okay. No, that's really, that's really helpful. Um, I'd love your insider's perspective on uh, the the network marketing stuff that you that you've done. That's also something that always makes me ri- raise my eyebrows a little bit. What was your experience like in that world? 
I'll, I'll tell you what, man, is I have friends that are very successful in that world, but you need like a certain type of personality to be able to do that. And, um, I don't know. And, I'm and not, is I'm, that personality the type of person that I don't actually really want to be friends with? No, I don't think it's that, but you have to be like easily excitable. And, I, and I'm not. I'm like a, a realist and all this other stuff. So it's like I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm more of a, a stoic, I guess you could say. So it's like, I don't know. I find it hard to get super excited about anything. So like I was good at it because I can sell. But I think after a time, like people look to you for leadership in that place and time. And a lot of it is uplifting is what they're looking for. So if you don't have that, it makes it very difficult to keep a team going and keep team vision going. Um, and you got to be able to deal with failure because you're going to fail a lot in that place and time because you're going to tell have a lot of people that are close to you probably tell you you're nuts. And I had that happen. Right. Um, but you have to be okay with that or you have to say, you know what, this isn't for me. So the thing that really made me quit is I just didn't like my social interactions anymore because I'm always looking at every relationship like, okay, what can I find in their life that they don't like so I can sell them this? And I think that's what you have. Once I hit that point, I was kind of like, I shouldn't do this anymore because it's affecting the way that I socially interact with people. So for me, that's what it was. But I think for, for everybody has a little bit of a different experience there. Did you, that, that's, that's a great answer. I'm, I'm happy to hear that perspective that kind of validates things that I, you kind of think looking from the outside, were there any relationships that you did permanent damage to? Um, Yes and no, because I think the thing you find out is you find out who around you actually supports you. So like my cousin who was my best friend for like years and years and years, we haven't talked in like five years um, because all I wanted him to do was look at what I was doing. I didn't care if he joined me. I didn't care about whatever. And he goes and he looks at me and goes, I know what you're doing and I'm going to have to do whatever I'm going to do, whatever I have to do to see you fail. And I'm just kind of <laughs> woof. you do not want a person that's that unsupportive in your life. And thank you for telling me now. Right. Um, right, right. So, you know, honestly, I, I it it was helpful in the way that it helped me kind of realize who is in support of me. Yeah. Um, and it also forced me to level up in relationships. Hmm. Um, and it's funny because a lot of the people I met doing that are still some of my best friends. It's just that, you know, they, they understand that that wasn't the way I wanted to put my message out there in the world. So, you know, I, I made some amazing friends that way. Um, I learned who was really around me, but I didn't like the person I was becoming. That's cool. That's awesome. Uh, thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Um, you know, what would a good podcast be without a good call to action at the end? Jeremy, where can people find you? What do you want them to do? Um, you know, some of our people are probably trying to c command their brand, build up their stuff. Uh, what can we do to get in touch with you? Absolutely. Well, if they are looking for anything on the podcast side, that's over at jeremyryanslate.com. Um, I only use my middle name because somebody else has the same name as me. And uh, if they are looking to get on podcasts, I put together an awesome free checklist for them. If they head over to commandyourbrand.media slash checklist, and it's how to be a great podcast guest. Awesome. And we'll throw those things in the show notes so people can easily access them. Um, Jeremy, thanks so much for chatting with, with us today. Um, I love the, the adventure of starting your own thing of kind of digging through all the stuff that you've done. And I also appreciate your, uh, your co comments on network marketing there. That's a fun topic that, uh, I'm looking at with a curious eye from the outside. So, <laughs> Very so thanks. Cool. Absolutely. It's really cool to be uh, interviewed by somebody with the same name. So this is awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Jeremy. Yet another Jeremy interview. What is up with that? I said to People Jeremy... Just you just Google your name all the time? Is that what happens? <laughs> no, it doesn't. Famous uh, Jeremy's. <laughs> We've done so many Jeremy's and so many J's. Jordans, yeah. I am so many Jordans. So, I mean, I think there definitely is... If people are like looking at our history, they're kind of like, 
uh, what's going on. With you can probably these, look uh, back, and that was like a really here. big baby name for our years. Growing I think up. so. <clears throat> or being born I actually, rather. I haven't bumped into many Jeremys in my life, though. No. Like, I don't have any friends named Jeremy. No, besides don't. the ones we've talked to on the podcast. Yeah, that's right. But, anyways. Cool, man. Well, we are still on the road here. We're just coming over. What bridge is this called? This is called the Burlington Skyway. It's called the Burlington Skyway. Wow, this is the Steel City, folks. <laughs> so take a look over the right here. We've got that's not smoke. Don't be concerned. That's not smoke. That is steam coming out of those smoke pipes. And then we have uh, on our left here. We have open water, open sea. On our right, there's a lot of ice. It kind of goes into a bit of a canal, river. It's very interesting. Um, Calvin, before we go, uh, one thing I want you to update our listeners on is, or one thing I want to talk about, and then we'll get out of here. You want to get my Olympics um, update? I don't. I don't want your Olympics update. I want your uh, your comedy uh, adventure update. If what you're is, if you're willing to talk about, it. I know you've talked a little bit about it on the podcast. I haven't talked about this at all on the podcast. Yes, you have. No, I have not. Yes, you did. We'll, we'll what did I say? We'll stop. You said I've been writing bits. Oh, fine. So, what do you want to know? I've been writing bits. Are you? Are you? You don't have to talk about I will, it. I'll talk about it because you brought it up. <laughs> and I'm transparent like that. Well, I, I mean, so yeah. All you've really said is that you're writing bits. I don't even think I said that. Because then that leads to something. That leads to an expectation. But that's fine. I could probably do with a little more pressure in my life in that regard. Okay, so you've been writing bits. Yeah, I've been writing bits. Um, and, and enjoying it. I really like the process of writing bits. Um, it started probably about a year ago. I had this massive list in my phone yeah. of just like little ideas, and then I basically take that idea at home, and then I just expand on it into a bit, and I kind try and keep them around for five minutes. Some of them go a little longer, and it's kind of just like an editing and writing process. I've been learning a lot of how to kind of structure them. Yeah. And um, kind of now what I do is just bullet points. I used to write them out like word for word how I would present it. Right. Um, now I've just been writing basically it all in bullet form. Probably both are helpful. For, yeah, both are helpful. I like the bullet form better because it almost gives it a little more flow, I think. Um, and then it's kind of all like rearranging them, and it's fun. Are you, are you like rehearsing in the mirror? No, I don't rehearse in the mirror. Um, I just kind of like keep thinking of little ways to do it and expand on them, really. Right. Yeah. Right. But the, here's my problem, Jerry, is that I really want to do a couple. Right. I don't want to do it. Right. I have to like start my own comedy club. Is that is that like the point you're getting to where you're like, I actually now think I want to take some of this and actually deliver it? I have a couple of what I believe to be fairly solid bits that I would love to flesh out in reality. Test out. Test out. And but there there are some clubs where you do like a five minute right. Yeah, but like nowhere by you, you. know where I live, in the middle of nowhere. Right. What's a guy to do? So, <laughs> um, yeah. One one thing that I found really fun is you've been like exploring this is you've sent me a couple like ideas, but now like a lot of our it's so fun to make comedic observations. Sure. And yeah. I've been really enjoying kind of per, per being on the periphery or whatever the word is like on the sidelines as you've been doing this because it's almost been getting me thinking about things right well, like I, in, a, in a funnier way that's what I that's what I, I think every situation that I kind of now go into I kind of think like you know what there's a bit in here somewhere oh. and I can carve it out in some way or another like I think I called him on the phone yesterday or the other day and I just uh, I'd been on my way home I was driving home from the bulk barn yeah and I was at the bulk barn and I thought to myself well I'm just gonna go to the bulk barn I have 20 minutes to kill I want to get some snacks for work yeah and then in that 20 minutes I spent in the bulk barn it was just 
chock full of juicy bits <laughs> that I just like kept expanding on and then kind of wrote a bunch down but then I kept thinking about the ball burn is like the craziest thing ever right when, when we had that phone conversation my wife was listening in a little bit because you were on speaker and she was like that was so funny you got like you guys should have been recording that I'm like you know what we don't record every part of our life right. no um, and, and I'm not gonna and I already let I just let the cat out of Calvin's comedy bag on the podcast right, right. <laughs> though I'm sure you said you've been writing bits a few times okay, ago fair enough and that's when I talked about myself doing that other podcast so we both put pressure on our other creative projects right 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 um but, but that's uh, good Jared. Yeah. like i could use a little pressure to actually get this get this rolling keep it moving i mean this is a potential whole other career for me <laughs> yeah you're trying to make it big yeah i'd like to make it big um over the christmas like our store when i was in bc we watched a bunch of uh comedians in cars getting coffee with jerry seinfeld oh that's great isn't it? really good and just kind of a lot of they talk a lot about like the world of comedy and I was like oh it's interesting that it doesn't really seem as though comedy is in its heyday as it once was no um and yet there still are people who like are really good comedians and who are still like breaking new ground in the yeah in the comedy world so I don't know there's so much good comedy available and I, I listen to I used to listen to a lot of it I'm backing off now that I've become a little more serious in my writing yeah I've almost backed off entirely from in listening fear Sorry. of um, just like copying right you know what I mean like I don't want to like right or maybe just in fear of like mimicking someone else's style or right. or going down the road someone else does like obviously there's people that do the same bits over and over but they do it um, differently because of their sensibility but uh, I just feel like it almost hinders the creativity for me interesting if I'm thinking about like oh that was so funny like I love that guy's jokes right um, how can I write like him right but really I just kind of need to write like me well that's really interesting I think there's there's two things about your style that you're finding that I will be very interested to see how they like play out the first one um, like not writing them down word for word right like it, you'll find out quickly if that is a good choice or a bad choice. Mm-hmm. Part of me thinks like you need to flush it out even more, and that's actually what I've been finding out with the pod with the podcast I'm doing, which is like narrative style. If I just try to like tell a story, it won't happen. It just yeah. doesn't happen. Yeah. So, but but I'm not saying you can't do it. But it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see how that evolves. And then the other thing is, yeah, like getting inspiration from others while still finding your voice, like finding that balance. The so, problem I was having with writing it out all together, and you'll remember this from like writing essays, is that it's really easy to like overword something. Yes. And I think like the sweet spot with comedy is where you can get the same kind of response with as few words as possible. Oh, yeah, for sure. Which that... almost calls for more writing because you need to write it out, exit out, and try and word it in such a way that it was done in as few words as possible. Exactly. Like, that's why I think you do need to write it because yes. the idea, it can be arrived at with less words, guaranteed. Yes. But until you say it 50 times or mm-hmm. write it out and get someone else to look at it and this, that, and the other, it's not going to work. Yeah. And that's why I've realized I actually need help with the podcast that I'm doing because. I type something out and I'm like, ah, this is my idea. That's all though. Like it's not, it's not good enough to, and then I actually like try saying it and it like doesn't quite sound as good as I wanted to. But anyway, but talk about bravery. (laughs) Come on. Talk about bravery is, is starting those projects and getting them going. So yeah. Anyway, everyone, thanks for listening. Um, we appreciate you following along with our adventures. Uh, sorry if you hated the quality of this audio in the car. Hopefully some people thought it was kind of fun to Mm. just sit in the car with us 
Um, share this podcast with your friends. Find us on social media at Open Road Pod. Send us your stories. Uh, it's our first names, Jeremy and Calvin, at openroadpod.com. We will read them on the show. And stay in touch with what Jeremy's doing. And if you're someone who's starting to craft a message or you're starting a business um, and you want to grow it by appearing on podcasts, uh, definitely give give Jeremy a call. I this think. really is a great resource. Yeah. And, and, and if you're in the podcast world, because you're listening to this little small podcast, you probably realize the potential that this medium has. So it's, yeah. it's only getting bigger and becoming more uh, popular and becoming a standard and I think Jeremy's just in this niche right now that's on the verge of explosion yeah and he's also not about just like oh I'll get you on one or two podcasts like he's gonna get you on between 10 and 20 podcasts Mm -hmm. which is really cool throw out of the wall and he's gonna help to uh, really uh, help you craft your message to be as authentic as you as you need to be for your for your whatever you're doing (laughs) so alright everybody thank you and uh Go hop in your car, drive somewhere, hop in your car. Pull up on the system.